Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles above. Delivering the right car, the right price, the right way. Come see why more are choosing Jermaine Ford. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini, brought to you by Jermaine Ford and Beaver Creek. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Welcome back to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I am so excited because this week we have Miss Kirsty Zontini back with us. Hey, Kirsty. Hello, McCall. It is uh, good to be back. Oh, it is good to have you back. Let me just say that. It was a it was a nice summer, nice and warm and hot at times, yeah. but, you know, work-wise, could have used you. Oh, thanks. So I appreciate that. Uh, definitely mixed emotions, of course, yes. because it's hard to leave your little one. Uh, but I can't believe my daughter is three months old already. Oh, and, man. you know, I'm, I'm back at work. My husband's working. Um, and, and, you know, we're doing a good split. It's a good split of parenting and working together. And, and um, she's fantastic. So we're lucky. Finding your new normal. I mean, yes. I remember that first three months. It's, you know, your life has completely changed. And then you kind of have to just get back into the swing of things. Like, right. you know, you're a working mom. I know. So finding that new schedule, I mean... That's, but you're doing great. Thank you. You're Thank doing great. You. I mean, honestly, I think that she's doing way better than I did the first <laughs> time around. Lies. <laughs> but I will say, though, that working um, an overnight morning shift, it definitely, I slept more on maternity yes. leave than I do at work now. So uh, I will say that my my daughter sleeps through the night, knock on wood for mm. now. And um, yeah, when I was on leave with her, I was like, wait, I, I can go back to sleep? I know. What is this? I'll, I went to visit Kirstie f- the first time. I think Margot was not even two months. Yes. And Kirstie looked more refreshed <laughs> than she did when she works daily here. And I was like, why do you look so good? But yeah, because your sleep schedule, you were sleeping a lot more. Yeah. And at normal times of the day. Right. Like like normal people. At like nighttime when people it's normally bizarre. sleep. Yeah. But, but hey, I'm back at it. And yeah. it's good to be back and on my weird schedule and I get to see my daughter and work. So I'll take it. Well, um, we're glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, speaking of, you know, changes, of course, I had a baby. But uh, man, talk mm-hmm. about changes since last time we talked to our guests this week. Yeah. It was like halfway into the summer, all of a sudden someone decided to turn off the waterworks. And just turn the heat up. Just turn the heat up. crank it. We got hot. We got dry. We got hot and dry and it just keeps feeding itself. Yeah. I mean, the big story going into summer was the fact that farmers were delayed getting their crops in the field. Right. And then some farmers did get their crops in the field and then we dried out. Yeah. So that has a big impact on how the crops grow mm-hmm. and how they fared. So that's why we wanted to bring in our guests this week. Yeah. So we have Sam Custer from the OSU Extension Educator for Agriculture and Natural Resources. Um, and he's been doing that since 2012. If you did not listen to our podcast um, where we spoke to Sam before, we also have Ohio State, the Ohio State University atmospheric science uh, scientist, Dr. Aaron Wilson, as well. Um, and both of these gentlemen joined us back when the farmers were kind of making their last stitch efforts from a very wet winter and wet spring to do they plant, can they plant, will they have time 
now we've transitioned to the very hot and dry summer and uh, we are in a moderate drought right uh, at least the last u.s drought monitor and aaron dr aaron wilson will talk more on that with us but um now we're getting into the harvest and is there things to harvest or what's what's going on so we want to of course update the agriculture side but also update the climatology of what's going on in ohio um what's it going to take to break the drought and as meteorologists and with Aaron as well, we can kind of talk about that a little more. So welcome, guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you all today. So let's talk a, a little bit about where the where where are farmers at now in Ohio? And Sam, we'll start off with you. Give us an update after we had spoken with you. Um, you know, it was spring. So now now we're heading into harvest time and, and what's going on in the state. So it has been a very, very difficult year in the agricultural world. Um, so most of our crops were planted in June that were planted. Um, a lot of guys really got rolling uh, that first week of June and uh, started making some progress. Uh, planting conditions weren't ideal then, but we were at that drop dead point in time that uh, farmers had to go. So we saw farmers begin planting then the second week of June uh soil conditions finally started getting to close to what we're really looking for uh we didn't have to worry about compaction and so forth then you all brought to us a, a heavy rain at the end of that week well, i don't know what it was about june 13th 14th somewhere around there so everything that was planted that second week of june pretty much had to be replanted wow and uh, so then we went into like the last week of uh, June, where guys were able to replant those second week of June plantings and uh, wrap up their corn and soybean work. Um, across the state of Ohio, there were 1.5 million acres of uh, crops that weren't planted because wow. of our spring that we had. So a significant uh, number of when you look at corn and soybeans across the state of Ohio. Here in Dart County, we had uh, right at 13,000 acres of uh, preventive planting or those acres that weren't able to be planted in corn and soybeans. So that kind of changed the perspective on what a farmer's life was this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the farmers that I work closely with, they came off a very good year last year. They were very optimistic on 2019. Um, they planted some crops in May, very little, the conditions weren't good. They planted again they talked about planting May 8th, June 8th, July 8th. Uh, they planted on all three of those months and we went away from that normal 10 day planting period yeah. and planted for three straight months off and on. Sam, so, can you, can you speak to how many uh, percentage of farmers actually got their crops in the field? Because I know that there was like a time frame as to when they could say, I'm just going to take my insurance money for this. Yes, we have uh, a couple different crop insurance products out there. One of those products uh, allowed farmers to make that final decision before their uh, indemnity payments would uh, go down uh, June 5th. And that's that's uh, an individual plan. And then there's a countywide plan that uh, they needed to plan or attempt to plan until June 25th. So, um, Across the state of Ohio, the northwest quadrant was the hardest hit. Uh, you go north into Mercer and Van Wert County, mm -hmm. uh, Rice County, you see a lot more acres preventive plant. Uh, Wood County, I think, was at 90,000 acres. Um, 
up there, Hardin County, about 90,000 acres. So uh, here in Dark County, a pretty small percentage. Most of our uh, crops were planted south of US 36. Okay. North of US 36, uh, we have more rent and planting acres. I-70 seems to continue to be that weather yeah. barrier for us. Uh, <laughs> as I, I go south and visit with our farmers in Preble County, Montgomery County, most of those crops got planted and, and they're in significant, they were in significantly better position uh, going into this dry spell that we had. Okay. Um, so now that we are in that dry spell, right? Um, Aaron, why don't you talk a little bit about um, the soil, the moisture, and the drought conditions itself? Because one of, I know that you contribute to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think just to start out, just thinking about uh, how abrupt the changes have been. If you think about our, uh, these back-to-back-to-back-to-back wettest 12-month periods on record, right. even from last September through this August, still being the the top ranked wettest 12 month period for Ohio during that time. Uh, and then to see, you know, we've got these modic drought conditions, certainly. So once that water shut off and our temperatures remained well above normal, uh, that means that that water that, that we had in the surface in the soil was, was still being evaporated, right? It was still being uh, evaporated and um, everything started to dry up. So we, we, we went from a situation where we met with you last, where we had sort of like the 99th percentile, mm -hmm. top 1% mm -hmm. wettest soil moisture to where now we have across Southern Ohio, parts of Southern Ohio, down around 30% of normal wow. uh, soil moisture. So we're starting to really creep in. Just this past week, we had a change in the, in the amount of topsoil moisture uh, increase 14% more on the short to very short or very dry conditions. So now we have 55% of the state that has, uh, that is lacking soil moisture. Oh, uh, so that, that's pretty significant. It's a very rapid change and, and, and certainly speaks to the high variability that we're seeing. Um, you know, you bring up the drought monitor, which is very interesting because the, uh, the approach that the U.S. Drought Monitor always takes is a convergence of evidence. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, during the summertime, it's not uncommon to see our grass turn brown, right? In July, right. get a week without rain in, in the hot temperatures, and that can happen. So, um, But what we're seeing now is we're seeing some precipitation deficits of, you know, where we've only seen about 50% of our normal rainfall, even back 60 days. Yeah. Uh, in West Central Ohio, Dark County, Miami, Clark County, Champaign, uh, we see dry what we call anomalies or differences compared to average back 90 days now. Uh, so it, it's not uh, the, the dryness has been here and it's a little bit more than our typical, you know, a little dry spell in the summer and it dries things out. We're actually starting to see impacts. And even those places where there were crops were planted at a you know, relatively decent time. Uh, the concern now, obviously, and Sam can speak more to this is, you know, what impact does it have on yields and things like that? So uh, certainly, uh, you know, as, as, as we look at the drought monitor situation, I would say a lot of times it tends to slightly lag our conditions, right? Because mm -hmm. of the way that way it mm -hmm. works. Um, there are U.S. drought monitor authors. There's about six or seven across the country that take turns in this. Uh, but there's a group here in Ohio, our Ohio drought team. Yeah. Uh, consisting of myself, but also our National Weather Service hydrologists, mm -hmm. uh, extension uh, educators, uh, ODA, EMA, we're all talking about the dry conditions and the various impacts. And so really that convergence of evidence is, is pushing us toward, hey, we've got dry conditions out there, they're continuing to dry out, 
and, and drought conditions are likely to expand. Yeah. For the average person that's listening, and I know that I've had this question given to me just a few times in the past week or so, um, what type of rain is going to take us out of this drought? Is it a, you know, more frequent small rains or is it one day where we get a good amount of rain that's going to help us? My thought is that we want more frequency, correct? Yeah. I mean, it, it's very interesting and very complex. You know, I mean, once we dry out our soils, a heavy rainfall, a lot of that runs off. That's right? what I was thinking. Of this... Soaking in yeah. is very difficult. Last week, northwest of Columbus, a couple of days ago, we had two and a half inches of rainfall. Right. But you only had to go a few miles and it was less than a tenth of an inch. Right. So we don't what we need are, are some sustained rainfalls, uh, more frequent rainfalls. And we know that once you you establish drought and you dry out those soils in that surface condition, a lot of times it's hard to establish those frequent rainfalls because as that moisture moves in, uh, it tends to evaporate. Right. And it's yes. a little bit harder to break that drought. So we look for these drought busters. Mm-hmm. We never wish tropical systems on anyone, obviously, but a lot of times in the fall when we've got late season drought, tropical systems can provide that boost Yeah. Uh, or some larger change in the overall atmospheric um, circulation. And right now, if you look at the patterns, even out for the next, uh, say, two weeks to, to three weeks here, we don't see a big change in our overall pattern. Temperatures are likely to stay above average. Mm-hmm. Uh, precip maybe nudging a little bit higher across northern Ohio, where they are already a bit wetter. So I think we've got some some factors here that are are going to lend themselves to the lingering drought conditions for a little while longer. I would agree, and I um have I follow Aaron on social media as mm-hmm. everyone should on Twitter. Um, and you had mentioned in one of your updates um, a flash drought. Would you kind of, I mean, you kind of explained it, but just if someone starts hearing that term being coined or like, oh, flash drought, flash drought, let's kind of break that down. Yeah. So, I mean, flash drought uh, is a term that's kind of uh, become more popular since 2012. Mm -hmm. We we had a very rapid onset of drought conditions that really expanded from southern U.S. northward. And in fact, if you look at what's happening just to the south of us, uh, conditions there are rapidly deteriorating on a daily basis almost. And so this intense drought conditions have um, have been expanding northward fairly quickly over the last week or so. And that that's really what we tend to think of as, as a flash drought. Uh, conditions come together perfectly, or not, not being a, a positive word here, but right, uh, right. the conditions come together perfectly to set up for very rapid decreasing the amount of moisture, and and rapid onset of those very dry conditions. And that's what we've had. I mean, we've got some cities in Ohio that are uh, on track to have their warmest September on record um, by a large margin, like two to three degrees in some locations. And so the combination of, you know, stretches of 20 days without rainfall and temperatures still in the mid eighties, that's a, that's a recipe for very rapid onset of drought conditions. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's interesting too, what you had mentioned about like a drought buster. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you really do need some deep moisture to actually start fueling rains. That's more than just some of these weak cold fronts that right. we get. Like, yes, we have the lift, but we need a lot more moisture to actually, yeah, because you know, those cold... not just evaporate up. Yeah. That, that cold front's just running into, you know, continental dry air and it's just yeah. eating away at that moisture as it's trying to come in. Sam, let's go back to you because we did have, you know, such a dramatic, you know, wet spring, dry summer and how that perhaps impact impacted the yield. Um, I was 
at uh, the Dayton Green Expo just about a few weeks ago, and there was a farmer there talking about how farmers may need to change the way that they're planting or perhaps even think of other ways to make money. Um, what is your opinion on that? And how did the yield hold up this year? So we're just beginning to harvest here in, in Dark County. Some early crops that were planted early are, are coming off um, uh, somewhat disappointing because the early plantings, there was some hope for those. When we went out and did uh, yield checks the first week of August, you know, we were just a little bit into a couple dry spells. Uh, there was a lot of hope for the May plantings to, to be uh, average or slightly above our, our county average for yields. Um, when we look at those today, as, as farmers are out in those fields, those yields have dropped off 25 to 30 bushel per acre on corn just in uh, the last two months. And when we call that in the ag world tip back and uh, the end of the ears of corn, have the kernels have aborted on those because of lack of moisture. So uh, we've continued to lose yield uh, on corn and soybeans here over the last 60 days, uh, a significant portion. So those yields are down. Uh, we look at the crop that was planted then in June. Uh, that will just start coming off for grain, probably I'm guessing the middle of October, uh, the first part of November. So we've got a ways for that to go yet. The problem is, you know, our hopes when we were looking at crops the first two weeks of August were that we would pick up an inch of rain a week through the month of September to be able to bring that crop to maturity. And then we were begging Aaron to hold off a frost until <laughs> November 1st. Well, he's he's come through on the temperature, but right. not so much on, on the rainfall. So, our corn and soybeans out here are really struggling to mature. Right. Uh, a lot of them, especially on the higher grounds, the poorer soils, are just dying. They're not maturing, they're just dying. So um, that is an issue. So where do we go with all this? You know, we the agricultural world um, is very resilient. Mm -hmm. uh, people will find a way to do it. I think we'll see people do things different in the future. Guys look back now and say, I wish I would have yeah. planted around the clock when I could have on May 8th. I would have planted for three days straight instead of pulling out and say, okay, we've got plenty of time. So I think that will be a factor we see in the future. Um, we continue to look at uh, alternative crops in some situations. We've got some really good soils here in, in this part of the state of Ohio. So I think corn and beans are always going to be gold to us. Mm -hmm. and that's going to be the majority of crops, but there's some other alternatives that, that some people might explore that uh, have a marketing kind of uh, mind that might be able to market those niche crops. But I think corn and beans will stay with us. Uh, we might start looking at shorter season uh, soybeans and corn to be able to get them through the process. Yeah. We also know we have these cycles. You know, we look back at 2012 and, you know, the yeah, worst year. The drought, yeah. Yeah, that drought year, um, it was really difficult. Uh, we do have crop insurance that most farmers have crop insurance that will help get them through this year. Our major concerns when we look at things from a farm management economic perspective, this year is not going to be too bad because we're coming off a great year last year. 
uh, our concerns are for the spring and, and where we go because there aren't going to be uh, grain bins full of grain to um, help with cash flow next year. So yeah. um, we continue to work with farmers. Uh, Aaron and I are part of a ag crisis team uh, working out of Ohio State and uh, trying to provide answers for farmers as we go through this anomaly. Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles above, delivering the right car, the right price, the right way to the Miami Valley and beyond. Take advantage of our low price tire guarantee and extended service hours on Saturday. With same day appointments and mobile service options available, our goal is to fix your car right the first time, on time, every time. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. And, and speaking to economically, like you were just saying, you know, for Kirstie and I, we're not farmers. So it's we're not feeling the immediate impact from not having our fields, you know, growing what we need. But there's an impact to the everyday person when your fields um, aren't harvesting as much as you typically would in a year. Can either of you speak to that? Well, I think um, for the everyday consumer out here, um, today, today there shouldn't be much change in the grocery store based on the, uh, the weather we have at this point in time because we came off that really good year in 2018. That's, that's the saving grace for uh, today's consumers. 2018 was great. We carried over a lot of grain. We've still got some grain in, in storage from 2018 today. Where we're talking about is we look at next year, uh, mm -hmm. start thinking about uh, how that might affect prices in 2020. Uh, and we are truly a world market. Uh, we had conversations earlier today. Brazil is having difficulty uh, getting their crop planted. It's just too dry there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Brazil's a big player in the, in the world markets. and. If they continue to experience this drought, we may see a, an uptick in prices, uh, which would be uh, passed on to the consumer. Okay. Um, this is, uh, I guess, a little more, um, I don't know how to say it. Anyways, for a, a consumer that would buy crops around here, and a lot of it, at least this time of year, is going to come from uh, people that maybe go to local farms to look for pumpkins. Um, what's going on with that? Because I do, uh, I've speak, I've spoken before with people who, who plant pumpkins and it's usually cool and dry or cool and wet that helps a pumpkin crop go. So I guess what are Ohio farmers, um, do they have any plans? Is anything in the ground already for the pumpkin crop or are they going to be getting help maybe from other states? I know that that's been done before when it comes to like getting peaches from the South yeah. and then they could sell them up here and still be profitable and we can still help our local farmers out. Um, we have a colleague in Extension that uh, has a facilities near Columbus mm -hmm. and raises a lot of pumpkins and markets a lot of pumpkins. And he was sharing with us a couple of weeks ago that they um, have like a co-op type setting. They're buying pumpkins from other parts of the country and bringing in pumpkins. So uh, I think those uh, um, farms and operations that are into agritourism are bringing in product if they can't produce enough here they're they're able to bring that in from other areas that's pretty cool we may see an uptick in those prices because like you say the weather hasn't been the most cooperative uh for those kinds of things 
Yeah. But still definitely um, nice to see at least the farming community across the country will help each other out. Mm -hmm. And as consumers, of course, McCall and I are going to go buy pumpkins. Go buy the pumpkins. Help all the farmers out. You know, you want to make sure that you still encourage people to do that, even if it's a little more expensive this year. Uh, just to keep that going, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know I saw uh, Young's Dairy. This doesn't have to do with pumpkins, but in I think they weren't going to do their corn maze this year. Yeah. So they did something different where right. they took just hay to bales people. and created, you know, an activity thing. So, you know, as you said, farmers can adapt and they figure out ways to to, to make their profit. Um, Aaron, so, you know, this might be a little hard-hitting question. There's a lot of talk about climate change in the news now. And obviously, climatologically, we've seen big swings in our Extremes. climate this year extreme yes. i i don't expect you to have this answer but is this the new normal <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly the question that i've been posing to farmers probably for the last year year and a half and 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 not in a sense that we know every year is not the same right and even when we're out there talking when it's really really wet you know i try to remind them uh you know we, we will have droughts again we, right. we know we'll have dry years we know we'll have droughts it's part of our Part of our cycle but what we've seen and, and and when we start looking at some of the details of the trends um, there are certain challenges to farmers for instance we know that our spring and our fall precipitation trends are the largest and they're increasing quite rapidly since about the mid 20th 20th century yet on the flip side of that if we look at our summers our july august precip trends are flat to even negative in some some parts of the state so, you know, a, a challenging year where, you, where you're completely saturated in the spring, you're dry and hot in mid to late summer, and then you're saturated in the fall, it's not a good combination for a farmer, right? Because right. you want to be able to plant and harvest on time, and there's a production schedule there. Um, so, so helping, you know, bridging and making those connections uh, to the challenges that we're seeing, uh, certainly having a year like this can bring those types of changes into context. But if you look at what we've seen over the last year and a half, it checks all of our long-term boxes in terms of the trends we've observed. Mm-hmm. Uh, longer growing seasons because of temperature. Uh, winter weather is generally warmer. Warmer overnight low temperatures, which mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of this season and last season. Uh, wetter spring, wetter fall, more rainfall, more intense rainfall events. Although this year, uh, it has been the persistent rain, for instance, in May. But a lot of these observations that we've seen kind of check those long-term trends. And so the idea here is, you know, if if and when we know we'll see another 2019, how can we prepare better uh, to build some resilience? And Sam spoke to that, the resiliency of farmers, uh, understanding crop rotation and different types of things that we can do. Do we add cover crops that, that can perhaps help build soil structure and, and help with water capacity on the fields. These are all questions that that I'm, I'm not a farmer, so I can't right. make that decision for folks. But if we're thinking about it and we're working together, I think we can come up with some really robust solutions here. And this may be a rhetorical question, but Kirstie and I were just having this conversation in the car. And this was because your husband brought this up. Um, you know, we base off all our information on the 30-year average. You know, this was the 30-year the, the average temperature high mm-hmm. for the day. Like, when do we shift that 30-year average and start taking in the data that we've been collecting in recent years? Yeah. And does that alter it? You know, do we have wetter months a little bit earlier in the year, you know, on average? And do we have, you know, warmer days earlier in the year and and that kind of thing? So it'll be interesting to see how all of that comes together as we head through the next decade or two here. Yeah. So when we switch now, you know, coming up from 1991 to 2020, that new climate era um, in terms of a climatological normal, uh, 
you know, there'll be shifts, you know, trying to find those extreme, this will be a, a data set where we have a lot more extremes. And yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that's a very good question and, and something that, you know, we'll have to deal with here in a couple of years yeah. from a communication standpoint when, mm -hmm. when this does occur. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I definitely a good point there, McCall, because we, we had been speaking on, on the fact that our new normals are coming up and, there's going to be trends that we had talked about, more extremes, warmer temperatures, warmer overnight lows. It was something you pointed out, which is definitely, I actually had just seen um, a graphical breakdown in the Dayton area that it had been trending up that we are staying warmer longer year after year after year um, at night. And that also impacts something that everyone is maybe a little related to, and that would be fall color change as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, you might not be a farmer if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you're like, eh, I don't really know, but you know, here's one impact, the the colored leaves changing, how quick they do, the vibrancy, all of that also has to do with cool nights at this point. And if we don't get those cool nights, and if we stay in a drought, your trees are stressed, and that will impact how quick the color change season is. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the drought may play havoc across northern Miami Valley, northern Miami Valley this year on tree color. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it a little bit here. You know, it just seems like the trees are shedding the leaves. They're not even changing color. That's they're going sad. from green to brown and they're they're on the ground. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get a little rain, not just for the trees, but obviously for for the farms. So, Sam, um, we'll join back in with you in terms of um, any resources for farmers that may be listening to this. Um, what resources do you maybe want to point out that if someone's not aware, um, but should be aware of that they could um, get some help? I would encourage uh, from Ohio State University's perspective, we have a website out there that has all the resources from how do I manage this cover crop that I planted because I couldn't plant my corn and soybeans to I noticed my neighbor hasn't been out of the house in a couple of days. They're struggling, or I have a, a family member that that's struggling. So we're covering from agronomic to emotional mm -hmm. issues, financial issues, all those kinds of things. So if you just uh, Google Ag Crisis Ohio State University, and, and then I'll take you right to that website, a complete set of resources. But um, bigger than that, uh, it's important to keep an eye on our, our neighbors and our colleagues and people that we work with. Um, and it's not just the pharmas, farmers, it's the, the service providers for farmers that are also dealing with a lot of these things. So um, watch out for everybody, be here for everybody. And you know, we've got a hashtag out of Ohio State uh, now, lean on your land grant. And we truly uh, want people to know that the, that we're here for them and uh, we ask them to lean on us. Uh, we may not have the answer for them, but we'll find uh, some help for them no matter what it is. I'll make sure to put that um, website yeah. in our in our description. So if you're listening or um, joining us on the website that you can click there if you know someone or you yourself need some help. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. And Aaron, one last wrap up with you. We kind of spoke about this again, but I still think the biggest question McCall and I, of course, get um, is how much rain will it take to bust out of a drought? Sure. Uh, probably a little easier said than done. And of course, it's going to be specific to each different city. Our records are kept at the Dayton International Airport. So that's one area where they're 2.5 inches below normal for September. But we just had those downpours that came through last Saturday. And that really hit like Clark County and um, Champaign mm -hmm. and Logan. So they're sl maybe slightly better off if it didn't completely run off completely. Uh, so right. what would you say in terms of um, the next couple of of weeks here warmer than normal definitely looks like the theme 
Um, but you know, we're gonna it's gonna take more than the stray showers we might get later today, you know. Yes, absolutely. Of course, we're going, you know, October is one of our driest months of the year here in Ohio, um, in addition to February. But, you know, if we look, uh, certainly some of those places that are running 30% of normal to 50% of normal, you know, it's going to take a good six to eight inches maybe to, to get out of those moderate drought conditions overall, go back to completely normal conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, areas outside of the drought that are abnormally dry, yeah, we would need a surplus, you know, in addition to what we normally expect of an additional two to maybe four or five inches of rain to, to, to really get that going. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's generally what we need. So, so as we head into the later part of the fall, um, and, and we'll see how the patterns develop this winter, of course, we don't have, maybe I shouldn't bring this up now, but we don't have <laughs> El Nino this year, right? We're, right. we're going into an, what we call in so neutral conditions, yep. which means the Arctic is going to really be a play yeah. in terms of what's happening. Um, so, so uncertainty is a little bit high, I think, for, for late fall into winter, but, but um, for the next few weeks, man, I don't see anything where we see a large surplus of rainfall. I know. Yep. Not great. But That's what I thought your answer was yeah. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We have to talk to each other in the weather office about every night. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for the great news. <laughs> yeah. I'm- until Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, you are just a wealth of knowledge. I wish that we could be having this podcast talking about what a great yield that would yeah. have happened. I'm, you know, it's really unfortunate to see how this summer played out and developed, but the farming community is resilient. You guys at Ohio State are super helpful as well. Um, you know, so uh, we will make sure that we put all those links in. So if anyone needs you, they can and help get the help they need and um aaron social media how can people follow you because you do some really nice updates as well yeah so twitter and facebook dr wilson's weather um we have the state climate office website too uh, twitter's at ohio underscore climate uh, and then climate.osu.edu weekly to bi-weekly uh, hydro forecast and quarterly climate summaries as well all right Well, thank you all for joining us on Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. As always, we are happy that you've joined us. If you have any questions or comments about whatever Sam or Aaron uh, talked about in this episode, be sure to pop it right down in the comments section. You can always listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast on your Apple Podcast app, as well as on uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.